Hi, this is Seth Harper. And I'm Asher Calio. And this is the Living Uncharted Podcast. guys we've got a good one today y'all it's gonna be a good one yeah i feel like we say that every episode i mean like like, why wouldn't why wouldn't we yeah they're all good i mean i i feel like i I find myself having to once again apologize for the the audio issues that we we found a new problem last week i i you know i i thought we had found all of the possible problems that we could possibly find with our audio and uh lo and behold we found a new one so there's more where that came from um oh. stay tuned if any of y'all t- tuned into the last episode which i hope you did uh for the parts that you could hear it was a banger um but uh, and we know bangers that's right at some point i'm gonna go in and re-edit the portions where for some reason you just couldn't hear asher uh, and then I'll, I'll, we'll re- re-release the the episode new and improved at, at some point coming up here. So, yeah. but uh, no, today today we're sticking with what we know to have worked in the past. <laughs> yep. And so hopefully, hopefully we got no no issues here. So, but uh, yeah. And but, for you, and for those of you who are um, bored the last three episodes of just listening to Seth and I talk. <laughs> we've got the answer. Um, we've got a guest today. I've known him for a long time. Um, he has uh, done lots of, lots of different things. Um, he's been a retail manager. He's currently running a company, which we'll get into a little bit more. Um, as the episode goes on, he, um, actually with my dad, he did the warrior dash. Um, excited to hear about that a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, um, he's much more into the tech side of professionalism. Uh, but he learned how to drive a tractor to help my grandpa on the farm. So he um he knows how to get his hands dirty. I'll say that. There you go. Um he became my uncle a couple years back. Um, when, when you were born? No. <laughs> well, I mean, he couldn't have been your uncle until you were born. Right. Wait. Any, Nick, anyway, oh, um, can we mute Seth real quick? <laughs> no, he's just he's just going off on a tangent. Um, he absolutely hates eggnog, which we'll definitely get into. It's a hot take. Um, <laughs> because yeah, he and I he and I differ on that, but um, he's done some real estate investing. And he's also been a finisher in a grilling competition. Uh, so he's he's got his hands in 
a lot of different um different aspects of life and different hobbies and interests um i'd like to formally introduce my uncle mitch mcconnell to the podcast Mitch McConnell. <laughs> and that is how you lose listeners quickly. I was going to say, I'm, so that's all, folks. I'm signing off for today. Uh, Who is Mitch McConnell? I don't even know. Well, for the record, I'm a married-in uncle. That's how I was only his uncle okay. for a couple of years. I, I caught on to that as Asher was, was was responding, and I was like, I, I probably assumed something wait. there that no. uh, I should not have, but... Well, yeah, th thanks for the intro. Thanks for getting it kicked off. Um, it's cool to be involved and I've listened to all of your episodes. So it's kind of the typical longtime listener, first time caller vibe, you know, yes. and now just boom, right onto the show. Uh, yeah. But I did, you know, I didn't tell you guys this in advance during any of our prep, but I've got um, a minor confession about Seth. One, uh, oh. I, th I thought you were Daniel until um, <laughs> like the third or fourth, <laughs> third or fourth. There episode. you go. That's funny. And I only found out because I was scrolling Facebook and it said people you might know. And it said <laughs> Daniel, whatever his last name is. And I was like, oh, that's the guy who I met at the farm. That is not the yeah. podcast partner. So <laughs> he is not. He'll hey. be on the podcast, but he's not. He's not my partner. You know what? If if there's anyone that I might get mistaken for, I'm honored that it would be Daniel. So yeah. there's no hard <laughs> feelings on this end. Yep. Yeah, and then Asher doesn't get off the hook either. One more thing not prepped for, but I do have a gripe about Asher. He came to my house on Thanksgiving <laughs> and hung out. He voyaged all the way to the suburbs of Minneapolis and hangs out for Thanksgiving. Life is great. And he hops into my 44-degree cold plunge tub for five minutes and doesn't bother to include it as a microdose uh, a week Dang or it. two later oh when he records. Gosh. <laughs> that is that's a failure on my part. So there you go. Confession and a gripe. I'm out of the way. You guys are in control. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Asher, well, now that, now that I've thanks heard for taking that, us down a peg. I, I feel like Asher, you got a, what was that experience like? Just give it, I want to hear a brief explanation of that. Yeah. So, um, went to Mitch's house for Thanksgiving. Um, what's his actual last name, by the way? Brunette. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not McConnell. Definitely. Um, I was like, how can I throw him off like right off the bat? And that's what I came up with. So there you go. Um, but no, yeah, we get, we got there and he was telling me about his cold tub and we talked about it before, but I was like, well, like, let's check this thing out. Or I think you wanted to show it to me. Um, that tracks. Yeah. And... I'm always showing off my cold tub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, well, like I have to do it. Um, and yeah, so I went, went in, um, I think I got about three minutes and then blacked out. Um, <laughs> Mitch resuscitated me and, you know, I lived to plunge another day. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to be the EMT. Yeah. Well, sometimes you become a patient. That's just, that's how it goes. You did well, man. I taught you how to breathe in advance. You listen for that first go. And then yep. most people, if they start plunging, they get into it at like 
50, 55, even 60 degrees, but you got stuck with the temperature my tub's at. That was so you, cold. You went right into into strong mode. Like the coldest I've gone is 40 degrees. Joe Rogan goes at like 36, 37 degrees. He's nuts, but Ooh, we hover gosh. between 42 and 45, and I think you hit 45 that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, 45 is nothing. 45 <laughs> is something. <laughs> and that something is extremely cold. <laughs> Yeah, but it was fun. It was, it was a cool experience. Yeah, definitely should have included it in my microdose. I don't remember what I was talking about that was cooler than that. Probably <laughs> trespassing. It yeah. probably was. It probably was. <laughs> we, uh, haven't heard, we haven't heard much trespassing lately. So Asher I was big be, into that a little bit. <laughs> Asher must be getting straightened out a little bit. Um, Far from that, I just haven't had time. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah. There we go. Um. All right. Well, Seth, you can edit out this big pause here while I look for the questions. I'm, I'm looking at Azure right now, and I could tell that he was just like looking at his computer screen, just like scanning through <laughs> the, the the questions yeah. that he had prepared. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest, guys. You probably won't hear as much from me on this episode because, like, I so Asher's obviously known Mitch for a while <laughs> because he's his uncle. I've known him since circa about 15 minutes ago. Yep. Um. So I, you know, I am I'm excited to kind of be just like a little bit of a backseat driver on this episode, and uh, yeah, just I'll chime in every once in a while. Oh, you you have you have a part to play in this episode, Seth. <laughs> All right, definitely good to hear. Um, so yeah, Mitch, welcome again to the podcast, and um, thanks for you know being a a day one supporter. It's pretty sweet. Um, I was gonna say I'm shocked that you haven't been on a podcast already. Um, I've got plans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so guys, definitely um, be on the lookout for Mitch in um, in other creative projects coming up. But um, yeah, to start us off, I've got some, I've got a bunch of questions, um, but we'll see how far we get. Um, Lay them on me, let's go. I can talk a ton, so you may have to shut me up once in a while, but uh depends on what level of like high horse or excitement you get me on. All of a sudden <laughs> I can go. And then before you know it, once in a while I'll go, did that answer the question? And, and <laughs> no, no. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We just dove off the deep end. What was the question again? Oh <laughs> yeah, I know how I got there. Squirrel, back to the beginning. Yeah. Yep. We like that. We like that kind of energy for we're we're all guests. about random tangents that provide comedy and adventure gold here at this episode. So game on. Yeah. So I think um first of all, tell us about some of your travels in your life. Where have you been? What have you seen? Man, we so I, I've been pretty... It's a big question. I've been pretty well traveled, so I'm actually I should have had this to my to my left. I have a photo book uh, that I actually got from my wife uh, for her birthday about a year ago, and 
what I did is I went onto this website and there's uh, artists that will create stickers and they're the same type of stickers you'd get in a gift shop if you were smart enough 15 years ago to have bought the <laughs> sticker at the gift shop. Uh, so you could have, you know, a little cheap souvenir of everywhere you've ever been because you can only have so many t-shirts or hats or hoodies or whatever to wear from wherever it is that you've traveled. Uh, plus if you're, you know, frugal about certain things like I am, a sticker is two bucks and it gets the yep. job done. So there you go. Uh, before my wife's birthday uh, last year, I, I randomly thought about this. I Googled it and sure enough, there's some website. I think it's called like uh red bubble or something. Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. Is that what it is? I've, I've and, heard of it. I've used it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I went on there and I just, I literally went back in time and thought through everywhere we've been from like literally Northern Minnesota up in like Grand Marais or the Gunflint trail. Uh, you type in Seattle, Washington and you'll get, um Bainbridge Island you'll get you know all kinds of mm -hmm. stuff so we've we've done a lot I mean we have spent a lot of time in Arizona we visited um Asher's other aunt in Louisiana uh we spent time visiting the same yeah. aunt in Chicago we visited her in Cocoa she's been Beach. all over the place man. yeah she's a nomad man her and her and uh Peyton moving around uh we visited them in Houston we've been to Laguna Beach California LA we traveled to watch the Vikes play the Rams in LA the year we signed Kirk Cousins. Ooh, uh, we went to uh, that was fun. Yeah. We went to KC to see the Vikes play. And then Mahomes didn't play and we still lost, so that sucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> been to Arizona. Um, we went to the Smoky Mountains about a year ago. Uh, Asheville, Tennessee last year for the Super Bowl, and tomorrow I'm flying to Clearwater. So what it boils down to is we've not been to the Northeast. We've literally not figured out how to get an airplane to fly us North and East. Uh, so we'll get to that eventually. Um, we've been to Mexico. Technological advances pending. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've been to Mexico twice, Dominican Republic. Um, where else? I went to Jamaica without her. The day after we got back from Mexico, I flew to Jamaica without my wife for five days. That was awesome. Uh, so yeah, we've been a few places. We've been a few places. Nice, nice. Night. You talked about uh, you said Grand Marais. Daniel and I were actually there a couple, couple years ago. I'll have to get him on to talk about that. But um, a friend of ours has some land up there, um, so we went and like trekked around in her land in like the the dead of winter, and um, stayed with her friend up there. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, was her name Sven? I mean, it's very possible up there. <laughs> and in Oli. Yeah. yeah. You got to like wave. Oh my gosh. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> if you, this is an audio podcast, so obviously you guys can't tell, but for some reason the lights just went off in my studio. So we're all good now. Figured it out. You're like, screw this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah nice. Grand Marais is sweet. If you, ever, if you go to Grand Marais again, if you didn't already, run up the Gunflint Trail. It's like... 45 it's either 45 or 60 miles long it's a two-lane road and i don't know if they've changed this yet but um they used to have a rule up there where you could not have uh i think any internet certainly not high speed and your cell phone stops oh. working about 15 miles down the road and so you go into just no connection it's terrific i remember we had to use um you guys might not even know what a phone card is we had to bring a phone card to be able to use the phone at like the home that we were staying at to be able to dial out to call if you need anything wow dang hmm. that's you need like a satellite phone to bring with you <laughs> i don't even know if that would work but probably yeah, yeah. I, would, I would think so elon musk is probably working on it <laughs> did you guys hear about um the first human uh 
This is total brain, brain implant. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. They they're testing it on the first human. I don't know how I feel about that. If I'm being told. That was like a few a few days ago, I think. Like a week ago. I don't know enough about it. I saw it's a deal. I don't know how you you have to imagine how much I had to go through to even get to the point to oh apply for the license gosh. or whatever to get the government to let you do that. Yeah. That's a big step. I feel like it it probably was a logistical nightmare. I feel like it should have been even more of a nightmare than it was. <laughs> I feel like it yeah. should have been harder. I mean, yeah. like here's the thing. We don't really know or I mean like at least I don't know. I like all I saw was like the Wall Street Journal like notification pop up on my phone or something. But like we don't know how many years they've been like planning this and like you know right. trying to yeah get all their ducks in a row. But um, yeah, that's crazy. It's I'm, a scary time to be alive. Yeah, I ain't letting no one put a brain uh, implant in my brain. <laughs> I ain't letting right no here. one put a brain in my brain. <laughs> Keep them away from me. Uh. Mitch, uh, since you mentioned you went to, sorry, I'm gonna cut in because like you mentioned something and it piqued my interest. Um, Mitch, you said you you went to Mexico with your wife, and then as soon as you got back, you left for Jamaica by yourself. What was the deal there? <laughs> well, I didn't go by myself. I just went without her. So, oh, sure, sure. sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we we booked the trip, um, just for us to go on like whatever a five night uh, all inclusive vacation for her and I. And we booked it because uh, there's a contest at my company that we were 95% sure I wasn't going to win. And then in the 11th hour, sure enough, I won it. And the trip happened to be the next day. So I basically flew home from Mexico and I had a spare suitcase ready to go. And I just took like all my toiletries and my swim gear and dropped it in the other one. I think I slept four hours and then she drove me to the airport and dropped me off. And uh, she was mad about it for a lot of reasons, but it was snowing on like April 13th, like a good oh, amount of snow. Gosh. And I was like, see ya, I'm off to Jamaica. So I went to Jamaica, <laughs> with, <laughs> I went to Jamaica with a few guys from work uh, from my local office. And we met up with, you know, whatever, 30 or 40 other people that also won that trip and uh, had a great time on a very, very nice resort. So <laughs> how long were you there? Uh, I think the trip you win is like, three nights four days and we usually tack one or two on extra so i think i ended up being there for four or five nights right after being gone for five nights so i was That's gone wild uh for 10 11 days the one downside is i tried to fly straight from mexico to jamaica but she was not having that so it was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 Dang. yep nice no the, right. it's been the weather in the midwest this year has been kind of weird very funky yeah. Like, I don't know, Asher. I don't. I don't think you experienced this at all. But there was a tornado that touched down just outside of Madison. On really, yeah, I didn't hear about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I almost drove straight through it. Turns out, <laughs> oh. which I'm not gonna. That's all I'm gonna say for now because we might be hearing more about that later on in the episode. Ooh. But right. that was a harrowing experience and just the, i feel like it's been warmer than it usually is so oh, it's 100 yeah. been warmer 100 yeah. been warmer the you know northern wisconsin they got the the great american berkebiner um the berkey i used to ski in that and uh it's their 50th anniversary this year there's no snow and so they're talking about making a 10 kilometer loop to ski 54k in the greatest uh cross-country ski race in history basically wow. i got hosed with fake snow on a 10k loop for <laughs> right ten thousand people that's gonna be miserable yeah 
but the show must go on. That's right. I mean, yeah. Wow. That's um, congestion is the word that comes to mind for that. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Mitch, talk to us a little bit. How did you, how did you come to be in the position that you are now, um, at your company, and um, what was your what was your start? Tell us a, bit, a little bit about yeah, how you so, climbed. So today, my fancy title is uh, vice president of operations and uh, part owner or operating partner of the business. Um, prior to that, I was a vice president and director of operations. Prior to that, I was a director of operations. Prior to that, I was a facility solutions manager, which is the one I got hired in for. And yes. uh, I got in the door. Um, it's kind of funny. I um, I had been working for Circuit City, uh, rest in peace. You know, they were an <laughs> electronics store that competed with Best Buy and Best Buy won <laughs> and we went under. Uh, so I'd been working there for a few years and I was uh, quite good at sales and um, I was getting pretty good at management and leadership and, um, you know, things just kind of kept working out and going well. And I decided after kind of looking around, because, you know, back then it wasn't super hard to see that the world was changing. You know, Amazon was rising up. Online buying was incredibly popular. It was like 10 times a day. Some guy would walk in with a printout from Amazon and be like, hey, will you match the price on this TV? Oh, no. I'm going, bro, we're going to lose money on this. Like, I can't do it. And um, so eventually I decided, you know, if I want to get out of retail and into like the quote unquote real business world, I probably want to do that sooner than later. And Mm -hmm. um, that's about as far as that thought went. And then I remember this like it was yesterday. It was a couple of months later. I had to give this presentation to my store of employees. I was the assistant store director for Circuit City. There were like 90 employees. Um, and most of them fell indirectly under me. And I had to give this presentation about how everything was fine. And don't Ooh. worry about what you're hearing in the news. And we've got this massive line of credit. And we're going to open all these new stores. And, you know, here our store is bursting at the seams and falling apart. And I just kind of I gave the presentation because it was what I was obligated to do. And I think legally I told the truth, but I walked away Mm. and I knew I had lied to 85 people and um, I decided it was time for me to move on. And so I went on Mm. the hunt and um, I just always joke and say, I stumbled into my career by some real dumb luck. Um, I was way, way underqualified for the job I was given. And I somehow tricked this guy into hiring me. (laughs) And and I just, once he hired me, I just basically was like, well, I got to outwork my problems before he figures this thing out. And so I just worked later, longer and harder than anybody else until I didn't have to work later, longer and harder. (laughs) And uh, it worked. So it's classic (laughs) fake it till you make it. And uh, it worked. So, what do you think about that concept of like, Faking it till you make because I've I've heard different takes from different people. Like, don't do that. It like don't overextend yourself. And I've heard from other people like it's never gonna like the situation's never gonna be perfect. Sometimes you have to like BS your way out of things until it's not BS anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what the situation is. Um, 
there's a, a time and place in this world for uh, leaping before you look and just kind of going for it. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, you know, the more I look back, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 30, I'm going on 38 years old. I stumbled into this company at 22 years old. That's like a, that's a really long time ago, right? Like that's yeah. a, that's my marriage uh, and, and dating relationship time ago, right? That's a really long time ago. So um, I look back and I, I mostly recognize today that the story I just told you is true. That's what I believed at the time, but it was probably not as true uh, to the person that hired me. And it was probably more my own uh, internal sure. struggle between the ears, my own imposter syndrome, all of that. And um at the end of the day, like having a chip on your shoulder and something to prove is not a bad thing. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really not a bad thing. So hmm. that's, that's interesting because I think like I've thought about that before. Like if you always, if you always have something to prove, you will tend to prove something like, um, and I've I've seen that in my life, and I've seen it in, um, in work work relationships that I've had, and in um, in classmates, I've seen that where they just need in some way to get to the top, and um, even if they, you know, it's the whole like. Um, you know, snipers mentality, like aim small, miss small. Like if you're aiming for the top, you're maybe not going to be the top, but you're, you're going to get close. Yeah. That's, I mean, so I, I frame that up in a slightly different way when I'm like leading people and I'm trying to get them to reach bigger. Um, by the way, uh, aim small, miss small is brilliant. Jordan Spieth, uh, he was a great golfer. It looked like he was on pace to be the next best thing in the world. And now he's still an incredible golfer and he will be for a very long time. He's just not quite who we all thought he might've been about five or six years ago. Um, but he's the same thing. He he says, aim small, miss small. And like, you'll, mm. you'll watch him. I know this isn't a video podcast, but he'll put his hands up in a small area that he's trying to hit and talk to his caddy about it and say like, if I just aim there, uh, as long as I only miss a little bit, look at how wide I can miss. And it's just, it's yep. so brilliant. So, um, that's a, a really good thought. But when I'm leading people and I'm trying to get them to think bigger and reach bigger and accept stretch goals, what I often tell them is you got to recognize at the end of the day, if I, if I allow you to shoot for average, guess what you're going to be, right? You're going to be average at best. Right. <laughs> and and the, the next thing to at best is below average. And that ain't very good. So yeah. we shoot for excellence that you might be great. So that if you aren't quite great, you're above average. And if you're only average, you probably aren't going to be on my team for very long. So uh, we shoot for pretty high uh, high standards when we go after things. So I warned you on this before the podcast. I told you that I might come back and say, did I just answer your question? And this is the first <laughs> no, one. I have, I, no, I, I, I have no idea if I just answered your question. I don't know you. <laughs> I feel like you did. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you talked about um, your time in sales. And that segues really well into another question I had for you. Um, I don't know if you've heard at all. Um, I believe it's Alex Hormozy. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, no, not um, familiar. He's a big guy in like the YouTube space. Um, but he talks a lot about 
a lot about how sales can get you places. Mm-hmm. Like if um if you want to make X amount of dollars, a really good way to do that is sell something for even more. Like so that kind of thing. Yeah. Um but he talks about and I think I've heard it from other people too. Um, this kind of concept that life is sales. And my dad has said this before, even though he's not really like in that world. Um, it seems like a strange quote to come from your dad, but not, you know, not it, it definitely is. My dad will definitely be on the podcast. Um, he has some really interesting thoughts about things that you'd be like, why, why have you thought about that? <laughs> but your dad, um, your dad has a wide ranging mind and skill set. Yeah. Uh, your dad's taught me a lot of things. Um, but one of the things I, would, I just got to give your dad credit for this. Your dad taught me how to build something called an upside down fire. And yep. so like, if you go to build the bonfire, most people do a TP style where they put all the logs up in a little TP and then they put the kindling at the bottom and the slightly bigger stuff and they stack it up and then they light it on fire and it burns up. But, uh, Eric taught me the upside down fire and it is a life changing fire. But, uh, I can tell you, uh, he may not realize this, maybe he does, but I would argue that the reason your dad, um, probably knows a bit about sales or why you might think that he could be good at sales is people want to buy from people who they like and trust. It's Mm. that it boils down to that. Do I like you? And do I trust you? Right. Cause if you, if you decide I want to go out and buy a 2010 Toyota Corolla, and you go to two different dealerships right across yep. the street from each other, and they're the exact same car with the same miles, and they cost about the same. I mean, heck, you might spend more money to buy it from the guy that you like and trust. Sure. And that's really what it boils down to. And um, there's a timeless classic, uh, a book that was written. I think it was written in like 1934 or something, and it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yep. And if you, yeah, you walk into Dale like- Carnegie. Yeah, you walk into 50 executives' offices, and I guarantee you, if they have a bookshelf, it's on 35 or 40 of those bookshelves. And if it's sure. not, they've got it at home. And what it really boils down to is, do you? how do you get people to like you and want to talk with you and engage with you? And um, you know, listening is one of the number one attributes and all of that. And I think your dad's a tremendous listener to bring that all full circle. Yep. Absolutely. I, I just, I can pipe in here quick. I can definitely in regards to like um, being willing to purchase from and do business with someone that you like and trust. Like I, I experienced that really recently when I was looking to buy an engagement ring for my now wife. And I I had gotten this guy recommended to me by another one of my friends. Um, but I went up to him and like, you know, I, I kind of gave him a rundown of like the general idea of what I was looking for. Um, and he showed me some stuff, but I think what, what really sold me on wanting to buy from him was the fact that we, we talked about a bunch of stuff outside of jewelry. Like we talked about like uh, what our favorite foods were. We talked about like the different churches that we go to. We talked about like the different sports teams that we like. And I was really able to vibe with him and Mm. just have like a genuine conversation with him that was separate from his pursuit of wanting to make money and my (laughs) pursuit of wanting to get a good quality engagement ring, you know? Yeah. 
um and so um and i i'm still I, i've kept up that relationship with him since then i mean we we bought from him when we were getting our wedding bands um and i'm i'm sure i'm planning on going back to him you know whenever i want to get her an anniversary gift you know or something like that so That's awesome. That's all. I mean, everything you described is the classic, like the bonding and rapport uh, portion of the sales process. And, you know, I heard a really good quote. There's this guy, Jocko Willink. Maybe you guys have heard of him. If you Yeah. haven't, I, yeah, Jocko's the deal. So he's got this quote that uh, basically distills down to the only difference between manipulation and leadership is mutual benefit. And Oh, man. man, I know, is that a, is that <laughs> a killer or what? That's Right. terrifying. So, So Seth, you said it, this guy wanted to sell you a ring. You knew at the end of the day, he wanted to make money, right? Like there's no hiding. That's what he's there for is to transact that money, right? And stuff some of it in his pocket and some of it in the company's pocket. But at the end of the day, he took the time to build rapport with you to make sure that you felt really, really comfortable. And what's interesting is I wonder what you'd say about this is sometimes the product of the purchase nearly becomes an afterthought. And I don't know if you experienced that or not, but like you walked away with a relationship and you just happened to get a ring. Isn't Right. that crazy? Yeah, I would I would definitely say that I I agree with you cuz like yeah, at that point like I expect like after that first visit, I I valued the fact that I felt comfortable coming back to him later, you know, with Mm hmm either buying future products or, you know, going to get the ring cleaned or whatever. Like I I appreciate the fact that I didn't have to worry about, you know, what his angle was. Or like, um, yeah, just anything like that. Like, I just, I felt comfortable being around him. Um, and yeah, so I completely agree with that. That's sweet. So you walked in the doors uncharted and now next time you go in there, it's charted because you know what you're going to get. <laughs> Boom. There you go. That's right. <laughs> That's really bringing it full circle right what a there. beautiful progression from uncharted <laughs> to charted. yeah. That's what it's all about. How do you like... And I'm sure too, it felt like he made made the space for that and made the time for that. Cause like you can tell when you go into a place, if someone's like, Hey, can I help you with anything? And then they're like rushing through it and we're like, All right, well, if you decide to buy like and they're just trying to get to the next person or like shoo you along kind of. Um, you can feel the difference that versus, um, obviously he took the time to like, get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, like a very, uh, you know, different example is I'm sure a lot of us have had this experience where um, when Rowan and I moved into this apartment that we're in, had to get Wi-Fi. So I called Spectrum uh, to get that all set up. And uh, I, I had going into the call, I had to know exactly what I wanted and exactly what I needed because The guy on the other end of that phone call was adamant that he was trying to sell me, you know, as expensive Oh, a package no. <laughs> as he could. Um, and like, you know, it, in that situation, you know, I had to like just stick to my guns and know like, you know, no, I don't need the $100 a month Wi-Fi, you know, that you say is so much better than, um, you know, the kind that. that I'm going to get, which like, you know, maybe it is, but like, I know I don't need that. And so I'm just, you know, but yeah, sales is weird.
You got to respect the hustle, though. <laughs> I know he's just doing his job, but I, you know, I did my homework too. So that's not hustle. That's reading a script, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mitch, um, I don't I, like kind of along the same lines as my question about sales. How would you say that, um, your time in sales set you up for this job and how would you say it um informed or affected how you live other parts of your life um well i mean if i didn't learn how to sell uh initially back in the day at circuit city i was selling car stereos uh amps i made you know vehicles bang loud and you know did all, all that kind of stuff it was super fun <laughs> Um, but at the end of the day, if, if, at the end of the day, if I didn't learn how to sell, I, I honestly don't know that I ever would have made it into the management role that I was in. Um, but it wasn't just a selling. It was, I was always willing to do just a little bit more than the person next to me. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested in learning the why behind the way we we're doing things. And I probably annoyed, uh, my bosses a little bit at this time. Um, but the reason I think I succeeded in sales and, and moved me towards uh, the management world was because I, I really understood question asking and making sure that I heard what the person wanted and needed and then sure. that I could provide them a solution as to why. And I think in sales, there's like, it's kind of tough even just the three of us talking on this Zoom, you know, you've got teensy itty bitty delays and I've got you guys in a small window uh, that I can see you in. Like when you're in a sales position or in a, a dialogue with a prospective client, like there are verbal cues, there's visuals you're looking for. There's so much body language that you want to understand. Um, and there's a whole concept called mirroring where like, if a, if a prospect is sitting forward or like they've got their arms crossed, you can, you can kind of match and mirror their demeanor and tone. And in a sense, it's like fighting fire with fire. And mm. at the end of the day, you're learning to try and um, pull people your direction towards your product, towards your product, towards your solution, whatever it may be. And I think the rest of the world isn't all that different, right? If you're trying to influence people, yeah. whether it's um, you're trying to carefully and respectfully uh, share your vision of faith, or uh, perhaps somebody comes to you with a question about what they ought to do with their next raise. These are the kinds of questions I get because I'm a personal finance nerd, um, you know, or they're, they're thinking about buying their next vehicle, like whatever it is. Um, if you listen, 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 and provide them what could be the best solution, you're, you're kind of just kind of nudging people your way. And again, going back to, if they want to, uh, you know, like and trust you, they're going to kind of come along and eventually buy or uh, follow your suggestions. So, I think all those things kind of come together. But I don't know. It's just you. You also find yourself not just in sales, but in management and like ongoing client relationships. You have to choose your battles with people. Um, yeah. Like I, I firmly don't believe in the customer is always right. That's like a polarizing statement. Yeah. Uh, Amen. It's, 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 Thank it's you not for saying true. that. Yeah. <laughs> customers are dumb sometimes yeah sometimes they need to understand like there's accountability this is a two-way street like i didn't you know you wanted to buy that thing and i happened to have it and sell it to you i never promised it would be perfect and whatever so i just think that at the end of the day like you've got to be able to listen to what people tell you and then be able to use that against you i'll give you another great jacko quote i'm I'm full of these little uh, nuggets once in a while but i really like uh, this podcast he's so good he says um 
when I when I shut up and listen, I know I know twice as much as you know because I know everything that you know because you just said it, and I know everything that I already knew, and now I can use it all against you. And it's like, dang, oh, and, no. <laughs> dude, it's man. powerful. So I don't know. All those things probably help, and if you can take that kind of mentality towards trying to uh, get people to like and trust you at work. And then you carry that same demeanor into the real world. I think you can probably make some friends and, um, you know, Influence some places. people. Yeah. Boom. Full circle. One of my friends is reading, um, the 40 laws or yeah. The 40 laws of power. Not familiar. Uh, I think it's Robert green. And he, he was like, he brought it over one day. He was like, let me just read some of these to you. And it was like terrifying. It was terrifying to think because they were some of them were, you know, more or less benign. Some of them were so manipulative. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about like, how have I consciously or subconsciously used some of these laws? to manipulate people and how have I been manipulated? It was really, it was a trip. Hmm. I don't, I don't know that I could in good conscience recommend the book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I mean, yeah, but you're aware it exists. (laughs) I'm I'm aware it exists and I'm aware that for certain applications, it would be useful. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, like, I feel like you can read a book and you like, you don't necessarily have to agree with all the points that the author makes, but I yeah. think it can still be helpful to gain a better understanding of how some humans think, you right. know? Um, so yeah, I can still see it as valuable there. M- Mitch, I have a follow up question. Sorry, Asher, this has been burning at the back of my head since. Yeah. You said Shoot it. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued by this this concept of you you said you were really underqualified for the initial job that you got. I I know that if I was in that scenario that would really freak me out. Um you know <laughs> I I appreciate knowing what my skills are and knowing that I have the ability to do the job well. So like how did can you give some more details on like how you navigated that situation? Um, even maybe even like give a few, you know, specific stories of like stuff that happened during that time. Yeah. So I guess the reality is, is not only did my resume technically not qualify enough to get me in the door, I genuinely think it was just like a, a luck and circumstance meets good enough opportunity at the right time. <laughs> and uh, it turns out I found out six months later that my boss had hired somebody else and uh, she backed out last minute. And so he calls me like two and a half weeks later and he's like, oh, hey, sorry, the interview process has taken forever. Um, but <laughs> I'd like to meet you. Yeah. I'd like so to he was you. like covering his butt, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Just one more sit down and then and then I think we'll be ready to make a decision and and poof, I was in. Right. Well, I found out six months later when I was still living out my imposter syndrome mindset. Right. That I didn't think I belonged. Um that that was the reality. You hired somebody who actually was qualified, right? And then I was just the leftover table scrap. So he's like, well, I guess I'll take this kid. Uh, but <laughs> a couple of real world stories, I guess. Um, 
thinking back, I can, I can tell you, I, so I'm, I'm in a professional setting now, mind you, I, I manage a team of cleaners, which doesn't sound super like sexy. It's not really exciting, but at the end of the day, um, commercial properties need to get cleaned at night and they get cleaned by independent, you know, cleaners or custodians that go out and do the work and somebody's got to manage them to keep them on their toes. Otherwise, uh, it gets messy and fast for, uh, no pun intended, but I'll, I'll never forget like the first week or two I was getting taken out to these 40 clients that I was going to be in charge of managing their buildings. And they were showing them to me one by one. And my biggest one, the biggest client, um, it was like an eight story, um, property in downtown St. Paul. And it was huge. Um, if I had to guess, you know, in today's dollars, it was probably 10 times our average client size. And the owner, <laughs> the owner of the company, was only five to eight years older than me at the time, but it was him and his dad that owned it together. And so they manage the business and they go to hand me off to this client. And I could just sense and feel this guy looking at me going, I'm going from an owner of the company to this kid mm. who's still wet behind the ears. Right. And I walked away from that meeting. I told my boss right away. I said, Hey, that guy's really uncomfortable to work with me. And he's like, what? No, he's not. And I said, no, I'm, I'm certain he is. I, I, I could sense it. I could feel it. I've not had that feeling with anybody else we've met. And by the time we got back to our office that day, he walks into my office. He goes, you were right. And I said, what? And he goes, he was really uncomfortable with you just because you're young <laughs> and inexperienced. And I said, well, there you go. I said, so what do we do? And what ended up happening is they just hung out with me a little bit longer to make sure that client felt comfortable. But um, I mean, that'd be one good example. Another one was just like, I was selling products and services I knew nothing about. And my company's training wasn't helpful <laughs> in any capacity because we were small, young and growing, didn't know what we were doing. And so like when I went to sell a car stereo at Circuit City, I had already a used a car stereo, uh, B helped install them for some friends. C did a bunch of online trainings that Circuit City provided me when I started. D I shadowed people doing the work. Well, what I got was get walked around these properties and shown them to learn them well enough <laughs> and then go try and sell carpet cleaning, not knowing anything about it. And so just know your product. There's a lot of lack of confidence, but to overcome well, a carpet. it, I think was one of the questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to overcome it, I went out and did the work with the people. So I, I would go out at night and on weekends to these uh, job sites and I would just learn how to run a floor machine and learn how to properly clean a carpet and learn how to clean a window, um, which sounds silly to say out loud, but that's what I had to do. And as I built that confidence up, I got better and better. Um, and it translated into success eventually. So Dang, that's what, what's the name of your company, by the way? I don't know if we mentioned that yet. Uh, it's called, it's called uh citywide facility solutions. It's a, uh, it's a nationwide brand. The local Minnesota office is uh, owned by uh, the gentleman that owns the entire big, big overall organization. Um, and then it's split uh, between myself and a couple other guys too. Dang, nice. Yeah, appreciate you elaborating on that. That was really, it was really good to hear. Happy yes. to get the burning desire out of the back of your head. You were wondering. About. <laughs> you go. Well, yeah. Um, we, I think we're now probably set to get to the the part of the episode that everyone is so eager to hear about. Uh, we got our adventure microdoses coming up, yes, sir. With obviously our special guests providing his as well. Um, but, uh, Asher, you want to kick us off? I think we should have Mitch kick us off. All right. We're having Mitch kick us off. Yeah. The, a couple of, a uh, few weeks ago, um, and this really dates back to last year. So I've got a seven year old last year is six. Uh, I grew up snowboarding, skateboarding, wakeboarding. I didn't do traditional sports. Um, 
And so my son naturally uh, wanted to snowboard. And so last <laughs> year we got him like the, you know, PVC dick sporting goods with like the little straps that you step into. And, you know, of course, uh, genetics paired with effort, he would fly down that hill in no time last year. And I kind of scratched my head and I was like, well, I probably should have got him a real snowboard. Oops. <laughs> and uh, let the year go by. So then fast forward to this September, um, I spent the summer combing Facebook marketplace marketplace for a good deal because snowboard equipment's absurd for kids. So expensive. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. Even for them, kids? Oh yeah, it's worse for kids. Like for adults, there's a million boards for sale, but there's only a handful that are, you know, for a seven year old kid. So I got my hands on this sweet um Burton chopper for him. And it's it looks cool and cute all at the same time. And uh <laughs> We uh, took him to Highland, which is a uh, ski place uh, not far from our place, and spent the first weekend on the bunny hill the entire day, just me and him showing him how to ride and learn how to ride on real snow, which if you've ever uh, ridden a ski hill versus, you know, the the hill in your backyard, it's a very different experience. So <laughs> yeah. uh, week one, we did that. And then last week, week two, uh, not only did he really get his feet under him, which is ex- like, you know, major proud dad moment, but we rode the chairlift to the real hill. And I made his butt go down a real hill as well. And uh, okay, yeah, next week will be week three. So that was uh, one of my microdoses was taking my kid out snowboarding. Let me tell you, 37 years old, uh, living life on the bunny hill constantly, like stopping to watch what happens is not good for the body. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to pull a fast one and I'm going to actually go next because Asher, I think it's fitting oh. that you go last. Uh, on this episode. All right. Um, so my microdose, I hinted at it earlier. Um, so this past week, there was a tornado that touched down um, in, just around Madison. And well, first of all, it's the first tornado that Wisconsin has ever experienced in the month of February. So that's crazy in and of mm-hmm. itself. Um but it just so happened that, so um, pretty sure I've mentioned this on the pod. Oh, I, I, I certainly have. Um, I I work in Milwaukee right now, and I will be for the next couple months. And so I was driving back from Milwaukee that night. And to start off, um, there was already a wreck on the highway, which added like 25 minutes to my commute. So that was tough in and of itself. But then I keep going. And I see these massive storm clouds ahead of me and there's like lightning in the distance. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's not great, but we're just going to keep driving. And um, one thing that's kind of unfortunate for me is that um, I have an astigmatism in my left eye. And so I do wear corrective lenses for it, but it doesn't mitigate all the effects of it. And so one of the negative effects of it is that, driving at night while there's precipitation is extremely difficult for me because the reflections of other cars headlights off of off the pavement makes it very difficult for me to see where the lines on the road are um you know stuff like that and not only that but i haven't replaced my wiper blades in a while so they don't work as well as they should (laughs) yep um and so I just start driving straight into this storm and um, lightning is just crackling all around me. Like these were the big strikes, you know, the ones where you can see like where they're touching down, you know, um, around you and in the distance. And so 
um, I was like, you know, if it's really that bad of a storm, I'm just, I really just want to keep driving. So I slowed down on the highway, um, kept driving and uh, I was fighting with the wind a little bit, um, had both hands on the wheel. And then I looked down at my phone and got the National Weather Service warning that there is a tornado warning in your oh. area. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, crap. Yes. Um, but again, my, my thought was like, you know, I don't know if it'll necessarily do me any good for me to just stop and sit here in the storm, especially if there's a tornado. Um, and so I, I kept on driving, you know, white knuckling the wheel. Uh, praying a little bit, getting to the other side. Um, and my wife called me and I, I was assuming that she was calling to check in on me. Um, but she, she had called me cause, uh, we, we go to our church's Bible study on Thursday nights and I was planning on heading to that. And she was like, Oh, I hope you, you saw the message that it got canceled because of the storm. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. I'm, I'm right <laughs> here in it. <laughs> This is Seth reporting to you live from right. inside the storm. From inside the tornado. Uh, <laughs> and so I I kept driving and I did I did make it out eventually. Um and, and it turned out that we did end up still having Bible study that night because they were like, Oh, storm's passed. Having it on, just show up whenever. Um and so I, you know, showed up and hadn't had dinner yet, but had a few snacks at the place where we were having Bible study and, you know, told everyone about my harrowing experience. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will go down in history as one of the people who got to drive through Wisconsin's first February tornado. So there we go. Pretty special. <laughs> what did you say? I said, it's pretty special. Yes. 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 All right. Um, for me, I have a bunch of like mini ones I can share, um, but a big one. So this week, um, they told us this at the beginning of class for my fire one class. Um, this was week four. So just yesterday uh, on Friday, um, they told us at the beginning of class that in the fourth week, we would be tested on um, putting on our turnout gear and putting on our SCBA, uh, self-contained breathing apparatus, um, so you don't die in the, in the smoke. Um, we'd be tested on that, and we'd be tested on um, performing what's called a pre-dawn check. So... Uh, at the beginning of your shift, you look over um, your breathing apparatus. Uh, you check your mask, make sure you get a good seal. Um, you check all the hoses and make sure your battery's working and your um, oxygen cylinders all uh, working right. And you have five minutes to do that check, but you have two minutes to... Um, don all of your turnout gear and be breathing air out of this uh breathing apparatus and so we all hear that and we're like okay 
let's like let's go uh you kind of forget about it for the the middle two weeks and then oh uh, sure enough some of us are looking on the syllabus week four we've got this eval and um you know you get there in the morning um i had actually we have class uh we have our hazmat class on thursday night or uh, thursday afternoons and so i'd stayed um late for that class and um practiced putting everything on a little bit and then i came um right when the school opens yesterday um because i just wanted that extra practice time um and you know the people start kind of like whispering like that that evaluations today right somebody's like no there's no there's no way they'd have us do that like so early in the semester and someone else is like no i think it's on the syllabus <laughs> and um so yep sure enough the instructor's like yeah, it was on the syllabus, like you idiots. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we're practicing for it. I was um, one of the first two groups to do this evaluation. And, and um, come on. And it, it? it was it was stressful. Um, <laughs> so I was the second group to go. We have like a little squad of three that we're supposed to do pretty much everything in um, like for the, for all our skill days for that four hours, you're at class. You better know where your other two guys are at all times. Um, and if you're not with them, you better have a good reason why. Um, Never leave a brother or sister behind. Yes, sir. Um, so I was in the second group. So there was, or people that went before me. So I'm just like thinking through it all in my head. I, uh, they had the check, like the check sheet, um, for us posted in the syllabus. So I was like looking through that, uh, for the pre-dawn check, going through all the steps. Of course, there are like more steps than I felt like we ever practiced in class. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, better remember these. Um, yeah, got in there did my pre-dawn check that they had us do that first. Um, and the instructor was like, yeah, okay, that's all good. Um, like get all your stuff set out for the, for the, um, like your turnout, uh, the two minute drill, that's what they call it. Um, I set it all out and I passed it. Nice. I have I have no oh, idea what my time was, and I don't even care. <laughs> that's right. Doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> nope. Um. So, and I I still have that at the end of the semester. Um, I was just thinking about it today, and I just finished the fourth week, and there's 16 weeks, so I'm a quarter done with this semester already. Oh, wait. which is insane. Um. But yeah, all, my whole squad passed. I think we had one guy that didn't pass, but he gets a a retest next week. So um, hopefully we'll get him 
all oh, practiced up and we're all we've all kind of been like yeah we're getting you through it like um any any time that you want to like hey can you time me or something like we'll um it's a really cool group of group of people uh there's like 15 guys um well 14 guys and one girl <laughs> in my class um and yeah the camaraderie already in week four is pretty sweet uh so that's that's that and then another one um from i think last week sometime um Shay and I have been up to our antics again. Um, this time, this time we are not trespassing. No, <laughs> um, we've been uh, we've been going over to his house, and um, he's got a little bit of a recording, an amateur recording studio set up, um, and he's been learning about how to do. Uh, vocal effects um a lot about like layering um different vocal tracks over each other to kind of make like a like a choir kind of sound um so he had a bunch of um bunch of projects that he had been working on and kind of abandoned and he was like all right, let's go through all these projects and like redo the vocals with this kind of layering technique. So uh, he'd have me like do a harmony on his melody and then we'd record the same thing like four times, layer it all on top of each other. And um, we did it like, like two or three hours one night like five hours one night I'm showing up to class the next morning, like three hours of sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been really fun. I, um, part of the reason I got a, a Mac was I needed it for school. Cause the other, my other laptop broke. Um, but I also wanted to get garage band, the, um, the system he uses for mixing um, audio and piano and guitar. Um, I wanted to get that and kind of just see if I could dip my toe in the, in the music making uh, songwriting um, world. And it's been pretty fun so far. Uh, it's been fun because Shay is a very accomplished instrumentalist. And so he'll he'll just think up a, a riff or something. And um he's like, All right, now like write something to go with it. <laughs> and so um yeah, that's kind of like the whole we talk about living uncharted. That's like I've done a little bit of songwriting, but like on the spot like that, 
coming up with um different different parts of a song and you know like how does this fit and then Shay has been doing it a lot longer than I have so he's like okay I like the direction you're going with it let's change that lyric or uh, here's an idea I have for a different part of the song so it's a pretty fun process good deal yeah and that's it that's it for me um yeah thanks for listening guys and uh in the meantime go forth and live uncharted uncharted